0: The, the first one. Could we not have five? Just, no, just no, F no. F you can't. no. Okay. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back and break and break the model.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode one hundred and eighty-three of the Rockstar CMO Ebbing Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday the sixteenth of September. I hope you've had a great week, and you are well and staying and sane as you feel you need to be. I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rock star, but with this podcast, I share the marketing street launch I've picked up on my journey from sysadmin to CMO with the help of some true rock stars. My guests and chums who I hope will inspire the marketing rockstar star in you. Come say hello. You can find us on rockstarcmo.com or rockstarcmo on X or on LinkedIn. This week, I share a thought about popularity versus profitability. We follow up on last week's topic with our resident Rockstar CMO advisor, Jeff Clark, who shares his approach to marketing technology. And we end the week with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar for a cocktail and a marketing thought. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. (laughs)
2: We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe.
1: I talk about how art, awareness, revenue, and trust is the mission of marketing, particularly in B2B. But we need to think about how we balance our focus on those three things. Do we want to be profitable or popular? That's my thought for this week. A couple of weeks ago, I read a post on LinkedIn by Jay Akunzo, who, if you don't listen to his podcast or follow him on the socials or read his blog, is incredibly helpful and open about his own experiences with his coaching business and podcasting. Jay shared that his consulting business sells high-ticket things, which require lots of trust before you're likely to buy. And his post is about how he could get more attention on social media, more, more awareness by posting the sort of thing that tracks likes, shares, and discourse. But he asks if that kind of content would help build the trust his clients need to have in him. Well, probably not. As Jay says, you would look more like you're selling deodorant or soda than powerful strategic transformation of his clients' brands or careers. After I read his post, I was chatting to a chum over lunch who's a very respected consultant, analyst, and writer. She posts on LinkedIn, but she doesn't play the social hustle game, and she shared how none of her equally successful consulting chums are stars on the platform by them vanity metrics. Coincidentally, in the same week, I was also chatting to another chum of mine on a totally different topic, and he shared that people we both know who are killing it on the socials are not seeing this convert to business in what seems to be a difficult consulting climate right now. It seems, as Jay observed, popular is not profit jay's advice tends to be for folks running their own businesses but i'm in the corporate world of b2b marketing and as i mentioned at the start i bang on about how the mission of b2b marketing is to create art awareness revenue and trust is it the same for us could we compromise profit profitability or revenue with a drive to be popular or awareness well yes there are three things that are, are need to be balanced. You can create a lot of awareness, move the needle in all the vanity metrics, post the kind of shallow content that gets attention and clicks, and see those vanity metrics move up and to the right. I've been saying for about 20 years that if you train a cat to play the piano and put that video on your B2B website homepage, you will blow your website visitor metrics. But would it create trust? Specifically, Easy for me to say with a much smaller audience who influence or decide whether you make the most important part of my art acronym revenue. Probably not. My example of the cat playing the piano is silly, but you see this kind of advice all the time about how to attract top of funnel attention, likes and shares. But you have to think, do these things create trust in your brand? We can learn a lot from Jay. Whether you're a consultant or a B2B brand, getting attention is different from getting customers. Think about the content you're posting as you want to be profitable, not popular. Okay, that's quite enough of me. I'll include a link to Jay's post in the show notes that inspired that thought. And I've been doing this thought thing at the beginning of the show for a few weeks now. I'm curious what you guys think of this new slot. You know where to find me. RockstarCMO.com or RockstarCMO on the socials. Right time to join Jeff Clark, our resident Rockstar CMO advisor and former Forrester Research director in our marketing studio.
0: Ian, welcome to the studio. And thank I, you, mate. And I like how really, I get. I love so that. To... By the way, I love that coffee mug that you've got. You have to send me one of those things. Yeah, I love
1: how. I also love how I knew full well you were going to ask me a question, but I just thought I'd take a sip of tea at the moment (laughs) that you you asked me a question. But it was the rockstar coffee mug or tea mug, depending on what you're putting (laughs) in. Yeah. It's funny, I had, we were having a conversation about that the other day because somebody saw that there was the Rockstar CMO logo behind me, which isn't there at the moment, and, and they're like, "What? what's that? What happens is, is I go onto Vistaprint, and when you have a distinctive logo, it's very hard only
0: to buy one thing, and you end up buying mugs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I should send you some...
0: We keep saying I should send you some stuff. I, need to send I know, you but you know, it's stuff. probably cost more to send it over the ocean <laughs> than uh, it would be for That's me to go true. make my own.
1: <laughs> That's true. Anyway, so... Thank you for welcoming to the studio. And we are back to our normal structure, which is where you're the uh, brains of the operation. And I shall <laughs> ask you questions rather than last week where I provided the random input. And last week we talked about, I was going to say back of a fag packet, but as we've both discussed, that does not translate well. But basically, in my view, based on the back of a beer mat, or the back of a napkin. Back of a napkin. It could be the front of a napkin. It right? could be that where I, if I was to sketch out the five F in fundamental marketing technologies that I would want in my next CMO gig, those would be the ones I would draw on a napkin. In an interview with some CEO or somebody that was just about to <laughs> offer me a shed load of cash, right? So we've got that picture in our heads. That's good. But you, as 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 always, with your with your incredible experience at Forrester, have a much more structured view.
0: And you talk about capabilities, so I thought we'd explore that.
1: What say you, Jeff?
0: Well, you know, it, it, there are many ways to describe the different types of marketing technology but when i think when you when you're trying to put it in the perspective of what does the marketing department have to use to support their work and it's often called the martex your stack right you know i never really like the term stack because it it implies something that's kind of like you know sits in a box somewhere or you know stack of boxes and it really is a little more i like i sorry mate i saw this in the notes I'm really curious about this because we always
1: talk about martech stack and we talk about franken stacks and things like that
0: stack is always in there what would, what term do you prefer I you know it's that is a really good question the thing about stack is that it implies that it's kind of like it's bounded you know it's a it's a pile mm. of things and really <laughs> what technology is more integrated with the individuals you know the people so if you think of your people process and tech it's more like an ecosystem yeah. Than it is a stack, a stack. So yeah, I would yeah, I would right. go with a marketing ecosystem, technology All right. ecosystem. All right. All right, so let's get back to the sentence. <laughs> let's of get back on top. To. <laughs> I think the, the the way that I like viewing it, the way that we developed while I was at at Forrester, and and they're still they're still using, is this kind of a capability view. You call it a business requirement view but it's it's to say, what are the things we're trying to accomplish? Right, yeah. So
1: this is something we talked about a number of times on, on the show, right? When you say capability, you don't mean capability of the products you're purchasing. You mean the capability we need, right? So that's the your capability so, yeah. of the
0: marketing team, which would include the people process right. and the technology. Right,
1: right yeah, because that's an important distinction, I think, to make. Because often I think that we get ourselves slightly distracted by the capabilities of the demo that we see and think oh you know I need <laughs> yeah. I need that shiny thing yep. but your business is in no way ready for whatever that shiny thing is right so what are the capabilities you focus on with your clients
0: so so there's there's four And, and the, the first one, could we not have five? No, 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 (laughs) No. (laughs) I have to go back and break it, break the model, but, but at least it's not 10. Okay. So, so, so one of the things to think about is that, is that all of the pieces, all the components, all the categories of capabilities, they're all focused on helping you with audience engagement. So Mm -hmm. from the top, the first thing I mentioned to the last thing I will I'm try, trying to try not to get too far ahead of myself. Is we're mm. focused on audience engagement, but the first category of capabilities we call is delivery. This is probably the thing that most tightly <laughs> relates to the systems we went through last week of the systems engagement. Your your ad tech, your email engines, your web CMS, the front end of it. The you know your CRM system. That's that's your, where you're tracking engagement from both marketing and sales. Right. Okay. So this is everything that touches the customer. So that's cool. So number two, what have you
1: got for number two?
0: Number two, and this is a this is a I think it's often overlooked from people who are trying to map out what their Martech ecosystem is going to look like in its orchestration. So it's mm-hmm. what helps you decide what you're going to do in that interaction with a customer, what's behind the delivery tools that decides how interactions are delivered or facilitated. So, you know, to me, these are systems like digital asset management, marketing resource management, which kind of gets in kind of not just asset management, but planning and budgeting and just determine kind of a hierarchy of how you're going after the, to attack the customer collaboration systems like Slack workflow automation, like an Asana so everything mm. again with the idea of orchestration. What's in the back mm. room that is less like making us decide how, how the, how the interactions are happening? What gets, you know, when, when a customer does A and we want to deliver and B, where is that decision housed? All right. So I think this is
1: interesting because I was exactly as I was on the same page as you because I can't help now comparing our (laughs) different models. And you went for four and I went for five. And I think I talked about systems of orchestration. Now, what I found interesting when I was thinking about systems of orchestration, and I like where you've landed on this, because this is more like how we as marketers sort of make shit happen, right? (laughs) So absolutely about workflow automation and, and Asana and stuff, which I've, i depend on what about the orchestration of the experience for the customer so when you say orchestration do you mean personalization engines for example and stuff like yeah. that or is this purely about how we get shit done as no
0: i think it includes the personalization engines and okay. you know mm-hmm. it, again i think the best the best way of phrasing it is that when you have your delivery system and it needs to take the next actions or you need information as to what the next actions I should take, you know, cause mm-hmm. you've, maybe you've created a plan. So and the plan would yeah. help you say, these are when certain campaigns, certain tactics are going to be executed. But then from a personalization perspective, you want to be able to have encoded in your marketing ecosystem yeah. that if customer a responds to interaction a, and you want to deliver B, you know, what is that going to be? And again, you know one of the the things that's helpful about taking a capability view is that is that there are any number of systems that could actually have this yeah, capability yeah, yeah. to do this, yeah, yeah. this 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 you know to to take this task and so you know making sure you know if you created your plan, you know these are all different aspects of orchestration that yeah. you know that frankly in a in a lot of companies that I've done consulting with is it this is either absent or it's not particularly well coordinated
1: yeah and i i and i think this is one of those areas that i think we touched on last week which is that every tool has a small amount or a large amount of these kinds of functionalities like in terms of workflow and i think i think i probably mentioned last week you know when i was in pre-sales when i was selling um, content management solutions quite often the customer would say can we turn that shit off because they <laughs> yeah, didn't want complex yeah, yeah. workflow yeah you know they didn't want complex workflow because it was just three of them publishing web pages right so i think from your perspective when you're doing a capabilities assessment it's understanding which system is going to do that orchestration presumably right
0: absolutely so you know if you're yeah, yeah. if you're like if you're setting up you know personalization and and you could say you know i want to make sure that any one of my you know, prospects from a certain industry or a certain segment mm-hmm. receive X information, and 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 it's like, oh, okay. So do I do that in my web content management system? Does that come out of my marketing automation system? Is that you know is that just encoded in the DAM, and and then I can start to say whether it's been that particular capability is covered and who's what's mm. it covered by and is it is it be mm. working well does it have to be enhanced do we need to train people on it i mean this is we start to get into decision making process of when i say "Ooh, we don't actually do that capability very well or it's absent mm. totally then then i have to say what tool is actually going to support that
1: yeah and i think that's good isn't it if you go into a team and you've got like this kind of model in place and you can, you can look at the gaps. And I think often we don't do that, do we? We just can, we look at what we're doing and how do I do what we're doing better. And we might be completely missing something. So I think it's interesting. Anyway. So, so that's the first two. So delivery, everything that touches the customer, that makes a lot of sense. Orchestration.
0: What's your third? Third is the analytics because mm-hmm. all of the interactions that are happening with the customers and prospects through the through your delivery mechanisms you need to be able to have the ability to decide what's working what's not working you know and and from a longer term perspective are we are we on track to meet our goals of our plan and so mm-hmm. from a from a systems perspective i mean this is another thing i think we touched on last week is that Every almost every tool provides some sort of reporting, some sort of insight into how things are going within the context of what that tool is supposed to do. But really you what you need to do be able to do is to draw, you know, a broader from a broader set mm-hmm. of information, you know, are are our engagements, our interactions actually working as planned and are they helping us meet our goals? And so this is where you get into You know, categories of technology like business intelligence, performance, marketing performance, analytics, Mm. you know, attribution, modeling, et cetera, et cetera. And this is also where I think it's really tough to support a marketing team that's got all kinds of different needs to say, you know, where are we tracking? Where are we tracking the really important things about how we're, we're working against our goals versus the fact that the person who runs email or the person that runs the website have their own particular types of reporting that are that are just that are that are key to their job but not everybody needs to know all the details well yeah and that's why that's why this is more of a layer of capabilities hmm. than it is just like one system
1: no i've but i mean we talked about last week i think that the other thing is about the audience for those analytics right so it's it's all very well to say um, do you know how many MQLs you've got in this particular business unit? Yes, I do. Well, how many are there? Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know next Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. It's not an acceptable answer, right? So that's why we need to have, you know, we need to have these. In- that, that's We talked about this last week about why we need integration and why we need data flow to be integrated so then you can build these sort of analytics and insights benchmark dashboards and stuff don't we so yeah so that's great so the f- your first was delivery everything the the customer touches orchestration how we make whatever the customer touches work the analytics the insight we get from that and what's your
0: fourth and you've only got four so what's your last <laughs> so this is gonna be a short episode you could have had five mate you could have had five. <laughs> so the fourth one is data and and as mm. i remember last last week you, you didn't set this as a you you sort of put this as the one of your systems of record is the data is in the systems of record, yes. and to me that the unification of data from all of your systems is an absolute essential to running a market modern marketing function. And so, typically, our our systems of record, which I think you know was a was a definitely valued category of your CRM system and your marketing automation platform, etc. I mean they typically do not have the capabilities to provide that more holistic view of what's going on with interactions with your customers and this is where customer data platforms data unification in conjunction with like a data lake or a data warehouse are really important you'll know, be able to you need to plug in all your external data sources you know where what where, where does my intent monitoring information go where does my you yeah. know my marketing automation tracking of leads and then it goes into the crm system and okay now that that's gone off to another system mm. so all these things have to come into you know a centralized spot and often one of the reasons i think this is a set of capabilities as much as a single system is that you know, there's lots of things you may need to do in terms of the again unifying the data, enhancing, you know, manipulating data that comes in from external resources. So so oftentimes this is a suite of data tools and marketing operations and a marketing sales ops team that is actually helping to mm. manage those tools, sometimes with, you know, the help of data scientists and and, and other people who really, mm. you know, are you know are very skilled in this to create that that oh. unified data model that again you can run your analytics off of that help you know determine how you set your the set up your orchestration tools which do a better job of delivering to your customers and prospects.
1: Yeah, I can see how your model is layered. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got delivery at the top, orchestration just beneath that, analytics, which is the insight you're getting, and then you've got data at the bottom. I think that really last week I was I kind of squidge together data analytics, but I'm curious. I think you did give me feedback of my F in five, so maybe I can give feedback on your four. We're missing content, aren't we? I mean, it seems to be I, in your orchestration layer, isn't
0: it? Yes, I, I would think. say that the your your digital asset management, your content marketing tools, you know, whatever aspects your MRM or or workflow automation are moving right. content around. That's that's where the content so, sits.
1: Okay. So for, from your perspective, orchestration is also the layer in which we are putting the things in place yep. that the, uh, the, the customer is going to interact with or the audience is going to interact with. Cool. So mm-hmm. that's your four. So you've got delivery, orchestration, analytics, and data. So we've got a little... Well, we haven't really got any time. But anyway, I, like I, ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you. how Oh, you, you looked at the clock, did clients? you? <laughs> I did just sneakily look at the clock. Yeah, and I was wondering how you approach this with clients. Because... Well, I
0: think the so one of the things that that in doing an assessment, the it's like the first question. It's like you have to give me what your goals are, yes. and because what I'm going to do, you know, goals, priorities, however you want to describe that, I want to know what your top three or four things are. That are, that are the burning issues because when I go to interview the stakeholders within the organization, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, what's holding you back from meeting these goals, you mm-hmm. know? So mm-hmm. if we're having a problem engaging customers, what's holding you back from being able to do that well? Mm-hmm. You know, you've probably got a good idea about how you want it to happen. Here's what the goal is. You know, are you not getting enough insights? Are you not, you know, do you not have the right tools? And so as you go through and you interview them you you know you you always ask it's like well what so what do you use if if you you know if you had uh, unlimited budget you know i shouldn't say if you had unlimited budget but you know <laughs> what, what would you add you know are there tools you would add are there tools that are there that you just don't know what the hell to do with because <laughs> nobody told you uh, how they could work and yeah, you end yeah, up yeah. creating a mo- you know a picture if you take the the four the four layers of the of the capabilities, you end up creating a picture where you see, you know, there's there are tools that are absent that just somebody needs to propose to to acquire them. There are tools that need fixing, enhancement. You know, oftentimes mm-hmm. like market automation platform or CRM was improperly mm-hmm. implemented, that wasn't fully implemented, It wasn't fully rolled out. Sometimes maybe it needs training because they really don't know how mm-hmm. to use the capabilities. Oftentimes there's stuff that's just sitting there and it needs to be taken off the off the map so that you can spend your time resources and subscription dollars on on the new tools yeah. so, so
1: so just to just to summarize that bit there so when you're going in and doing a tech assessment you take you look at their requirements and what it is that you need to do and you go around each of the business units and figure out what it is their requirements are from the marketing technology and then you've got these five things which is where you then look at the marketing technology stack you don't like the word stack but you look at the marketing <laughs> technology stack and you figure out whether the whether there's absent functionality therefore something needs to be built something needs enhancing something needs training it ex- exists and can be extended or it needs replacing, but I presume also in there there's duplication and stuff as well. You can yes, you you figure out what we already have, right? Absolutely, cool. because okay,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, there's it is as weird as it seems. There's customers that have bought multiple CRMs, mm-hmm. multiple marketing. But maybe it's from acquisition. Exactly. They they haven't effectively sunset one or the other, and so yeah, yeah. You need you need to simplify it, and you need to make sure that there's support, technology support for the capabilities yeah. the marketing team is trying to execute.
1: Cool. Yeah, because I think when you when you were when we were in touch when you were at Forrester, you had a great case study, didn't you? I I, you probably can't name the name, but where they where they where you went through this process with them, and they. They saved a huge amount of money and were able to go shopping for much cooler tools based on that and, budget. And
0: actually. and actually, that one particular, they gave some money back to the uh, program budget because they whoa, whoa, whoa. they determined <laughs> that there were things that they didn't need. And it's like let's let's focus on what makes our. I mean, they were very focused on the demand creation process. So they kind of just they they yeah, took yeah. the process, went through the capabilities they need, and then everything else just went off the okay. off the books.
1: Awesome. Yes, and it's yeah.
0: It'd be nice if we could refer to that case study. But anyway, trust Jeff. <laughs> it yeah, was real.
1: Absolutely amazing. It was real. And they right, they, so they, they so spoke that's...
0: at one of our conferences, so uh, I, I could maybe I could dig yeah. out a, a, a video. Cool. Well, if I can, if we can do that, I'll include that in the show notes.
1: But we come. Well, we didn't do the weather, but we we did a bit of blather about my mug. So I think that's. Good <laughs> We've done the topic. We come to our last point in our agenda, which is the song. And I agreed last week to let you choose whatever you like. So I have no idea what I'm letting myself in for here. What are we going I'm for? I'm going to
0: pick More <laughs> Than Machines by Bush in 2022. And, you know, frankly, wow. it's just, I mean, it's the title. It's like, you know, we are more than machines. We need the sh- machines to support us. But, you know, we're, we want to focus on the capabilities we're trying to execute people process and the technology to support it
1: love it all right well i am completely unfamiliar with that tune so so this is going to be a voyage of discovery for me as well as for you the (laughs) listener and and obviously and will we be back in the studio next week mate we're back cool i'll see you then okay cheers Bye. bye Everything goes down It is how we come around We are born in a dream But this heart is made of steel I said I need Thank you, Jeff. And that was a little bit of More Than Machines by Bush from 2022. And as we alluded to there, Jeff has some great case studies from his clients and from his time at Serious Decisions Forrester. Please get in touch if you want to learn more about those. Right. It's that time of the week to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join Robert Rose, Chief Troublemaker Maker at the Content Advisory, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking?
2: Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the bar. I hope mm-hmm. that it has been a the beginning of fall for you there. Mm-hmm. It has certainly been been the beginning of fall here in cool. Southern California. So uh, we have a nice, cool, sort of crispness in the air that I'm that I'm hopeful uh-huh. for. It's perfect for this time of year with sports and where yeah. we are, and it's my favorite time of year. So. Um, feeling particularly energetic, I guess is the is the to, is the point as we as we move into the bar and I have to have all you. kinds of wonderful what's that
1: i have to interrupt you there because you mentioned sports and i have to uh, i have to say something about our cowboys i'm gonna say our cowboys
2: aren't aren't you a sweetheart yes for the for the two and a half people in your audience who actually give a shit about such
1: But but that was you you beat new york and they scored nothing at all
2: no wow that is correct is that is that, that, that is abnormal in the in a it is abnormal uh it is abnormal it is also i mean not to get too into the weeds but it is yeah. also abnormal to have seven sacks in one game wow. um it, four turnovers i mean dismantle is the right <laughs> verb for um what that team did to the new york giants yeah <laughs> it was a—it was, was a thorough ass whipping, is what they call it.
1: Yeah. yeah so for the listeners that are, haven't paid attention to American football. Um, Dallas Cowboys beat the New York Giants by forty-seven 0 wasn't it, or forty-six 0 It was
2: forty. It? Yeah, forty to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two of the touch and two of the touchdowns were scored by the defense. So it's like, it's, <laughs> if only the defense had scored touchdowns, it would have been twenty-four to nothing or twenty to uh, fourteen to nothing. Yeah. So all right. So sorry, sorry go.
1: to my New York fans, but that had to be mentioned. So anyway. I wanted to I want to yes. congratulate you that, on that because I know you loved your American football, um, but let's get back to um, oh and also we've had a heat we had a heat wave so we just we had like a September heat wave and we've just come out of some some hot weather and just like you're saying there the
2: Christmas is back in
1: the air so so oh that's lovely so and we're in the bar what's um, so where were we with the drink before I yes we do
2: you? have a drink yes mm-hmm. we actually do have a drink here this is a um, so uh, again because we moved into fall I have. I have sort of migrated. I don't migrate completely away from tequila, <laughs> but I do start drinking more whiskey uh-huh. um, as we get into the cooler weather. And so to sort of bridge the, between summer and fall, I have uh, serving tonight what we're calling a bourbon Ricky. Um, and it's, it's a little bit of an interesting one. So hang with me here. <laughs> I'm sure you have all these uh, ingredients in your <laughs> desktop bar. Which will include your favorite bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, does not need to be a particularly like aged or fine bourbon, but a bourbon that mm-hmm. is better um, for this than a Scotch or or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so, get your favorite bourbon, and it's one and a half parts of bourbon, mm-hmm. then lime juice. And I know that sounds really weird, but this is sort mm. of the bridge between summer and fall. Yeah. Um. So it's it's one part lime juice, yeah. and then. Uh, again if you prefer sparkling water sparkling water but club soda is really what makes this thing sing and it would be five parts uh uh, club soda sort of you know just to to mix it up there and then of course poured over ice um and it's very easy drinking um it's just a lovely way to sort of bridge the warmness of summer and the coolness of fall and Mm -hmm. and have something that you can drink in the in the evening time and uh, a lovely, lovely cocktail.
1: Yeah, no, I, I've I've not tried. And that. easy to make. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> well, I'll be the judge of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, b- bourbon and lime juice. There is really nice combination. I, I like that. Um, but I'm going to attempt to make that very drink using only the ingredients on my desktop bar. And uh, you mentioned ice there, my friends. So I'm going to throw in some ice. Um, I am, of course, as regular listeners will know, going to use the most English of bourbons uh, that I have on my desktop bar, and that would be Hendrix Gin. Slop a bit of Hendrix Gin in there. And, of course, my good friends at Fevertree have assembled for me the most English of lime juices <laughs> and club soda, and they call it cucumber tonic water, and I shall slow that. Soon. Ah, indeed. Do- I mean, this is so similar this week. I think I've nailed it. Let me give this a go.
2: Oh, mm, That is delicious, Roberts. What are we calling this? That's called a bourbon Ricky.
1: Oh, the bourbon Ricky.
2: I'm not getting any of the bourbon, yeah.
1: but is it Ricky like the man's
2: name? Or it- <laughs> the bourbon flavors do. I, I, they, <laughs> they are a little scant in your version of it, yes. I would admit all right and where
1: are we going to be drinking these fabulous drinks
2: well i think we have to go somewhere nice for fall where Mm -hmm. the leaves are turning uh and those kinds of things and so i was actually looking at a friend's itinerary last week and he was up uh and he was taking pictures up in maine oh yeah um and so it feels like the right place to be is up somewhere in maine Mm -hmm. um which is a state here in the u.s for those of you who may not be aware and maybe a little more global than the u.s but yeah so up in maine there are some beautiful places narragansett and some other uh smaller towns up there where we could sit on the water in some pub somewhere and mm. drink these bourbon rickies as summer turns to fall and the leaves begin to change and and it, uh, there's a crispness in the air and and good sports are happening
1: i love it i love it and um i can picture it. i spent quite a lot of time in uh, the north Northeast of uh, of your fine country, and what would we? um, And when conversation turns to marketing, as it often does with us, what are we talking about this week?
2: We're talking a little bit about content marketing, um, Uh and it's uh, something that I'm working on uh, because it's going to be the theme of my keynote um, at this year's Content Marketing World, and Mm -hmm. it's also going to be as as you'll soon learn, (laughs) um, it's really the back. I would call it the backbone of my new book yes. um, which is said in one sentence, content marketing is now marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, it used to be years ago when Joe Pulizzi and I were walking around and talking with clients and doing trainings and walking at the event, we used to talk about how the concept of content marketing would be subsumed into. Uh, into regular marketing and it would just become part of it and it would become less distinct Mm -hmm. uh, than it was perhaps 10 years ago. But what I've actually seen, the trend uh, and my point of view on that has changed, and it's actually the other way around, Um, what we think about now as content marketing, right? So operating not like a media company, but as a media company, literally putting the operations, the activities of Uh, content marketing, or excuse me, a media company, that the classic idea of operating uh, content marketing is now becoming marketing full stop, right? So the classic sense of marketing, reach frequency, paid media, advertising, uh, all those kinds of things, direct mailers, all those kinds of things are sort of fading back into the woodwork. They're not disappearing and they're not dying. I'm not suggesting that, but they are certainly becoming less important than becoming an owned expert and, 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 and in an owned media, uh, skill set, which means operating as a media company. And so the interesting implications of all of that, and this is going to be really my, my point, um, that I'll talk about and what's hot on my mind is that the roles that that entails then become much more overlapped with classic marketers. And what I mean by that is that, when we think about content marketing today or yesterday or five years ago, we defined all these roles that were very specific to the content marketing idea. Right? So a content strategy director or a chief content officer or a, a content production director or content manager, audience development manager, and these roles that we defined and still defined to this day. But what we need to understand, and this is the sort of point, is that these are roles, not people in today's world. What's happening is is that those very specific roles are themselves becoming the roles of marketing. And so the marketing manager, the product marketing manager, the advertising manager, all of these classic headcount and classic team roles within a marketing and 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 communications organization are now adopting the roles of content marketing Mm -hmm. as part of their job and so as we start putting together our teams and our career pathing and all of our strategies it's super important that we acknowledge that the roles of content marketing are different but that those roles are becoming increasingly performed by classic marketing and communications professionals. So it's a it's an upskilling and an addition to our team not a separate and distinct function from our team if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's it's a subtle but important difference I think.
1: Yeah, but I think I think the interesting thing there isn't it because I, I mean back in the day I think how long ago it was over over a decade ago when I think we first worked together um and i was actually a vp of content marketing back then um and we were a, a distinct function trying to create that within the business and we we are we are trying to we still try and do that today right so um it, i think it's because we felt that there was a different set of skills that needed to be honed right is there a risk that if this then just become part of marketing that we just drift back into the way marketing's always been done and and those and that storytelling discipline gets lost do you think
2: well yeah i do yeah. think that that's true i think that that there is a risk of that right where it becomes muddy right yeah. um and one and, and 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 you bring up a good point which is in many cases when we're working with clients one of the things that becomes increasingly important as a business tries to stand up a content marketing strategy is that they actually acknowledge that those Mm -hmm. roles are important Mm -hmm. and that they will become part of the official responsibilities. In so many cases, what happens is, is they go, oh yeah, content marketing. Great. When you have time, Mm -hmm. dot, dot, Mm dot, you know, or as your bandwidth allows, dot, 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 figure out the blog or figure out this content or go create a process for this, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, that time, that bandwidth, you know, the ellipses that follows all that <laughs> never happens because nobody has time for that. And so thus it becomes an informal part of what we're trying to do. Therefore, it just never gets done. And so part of the acknowledgement here, and I think it's an important piece of it, is that the business has to acknowledge that these roles are actually you know they need to be bonused. Mm-hmm. They need to be measured. They need to be managed. They need to be part of the official job description. They need to be part of you know all of the things that we do in marketing have to include these things. They are not just nice to haves. They're actual activities that are officially recognized. Right. right.
1: And how does that sit with uh, I think something we were discussing last week, or the week before, about the the sort of career path of the marketer? Because are we now saying content marketing is now a a skill for all marketers now, or are you still saying there are defined roles within a business which are focused on content?
2: Yeah, I think it's you know, I mean, and so the the the, the observation that I'm making yeah. is that the classic roles and activities that we would associate with content marketing are becoming more important for marketers yeah. to understand. In other words, if my job as a marketer, as a product marketer, for example, was the classic, you know, some some aspect of the classic four Ps, yeah. um, And it was to write copy is to write benefit statements, it was to write, you know, do all those kinds of things. Increasingly, those are becoming the minority jobs you know, to be done, basically the the activities to perform, and the, the roles of content marketing are becoming increasingly the more important roles and activities to do. So from a priority standpoint, that's what I mean by right. when I when I say sort of I know it's a bumper sticker sort of <laughs> idea, but the idea that content marketing is marketing yeah. now is kind of that idea. It's like that's what marketing is in 2024, yeah, it is right? It is 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 what we would classically call content marketing. Yeah. It operating as a media right. company, as you know, getting our arms, our activities, our strategies, our processes, our approaches, our measurement, all of that is around operating as a media company would not in the classic direct marketing campaign by campaign by campaign operation that we have for 50 years
1: no I, i love i love this i think it's completely right i mean and it's really interesting the observation you make there about the way it really happens inside a marketing team or inside a business because you know in my own day job we've just formed uh you know my company is made up of acquisition i had a bunch of different marketing teams we've brought everybody together in one marketing team and there was, we had to do all the things first. This has been going on for a couple of months and it's only now that we can then start looking at the strategic stuff. And, and um, I'm through force of will want to create a content marketing strategy, but it would be so easy just to get, you know, get lost in the day to day. It's it's just so easy.
2: Yeah. 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 And, and you, the interesting thing is you get lost in the day to day of things that don't matter anymore. <laughs> you
1: know
2: what I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, I see so many marketing departments these days are lost in the, in the, in in the, in the, you know, sort of thrashy yeah. activities that used to mean something. They used to be, yeah. you know, the, for example, uh, arbitraging and figuring out the 0.1 or 0.2 decimal points between the cost of paid search <laughs> across different kinds of channels, right? Yeah. I see so many marketing, you yeah. know, uh, activities that get wrapped around the axle of working on that activity that they have no time to do anything yeah. else, right? Or, you know, publishing landing pages or publishing, you know, all of these kinds of things that are classic direct marketing yeah. uh, activities that sort of are now being. Uh, you know deprioritized in order to create more interesting activities such as well, let's figure out the story that we're telling let's figure out our own yeah. media strategy and let's figure out how we're engaging audiences and creating better you know more higher quality uh, leads and opportunities for our business by simply you know creating content that creates yeah. that engagement it makes people want to you know continue to yeah, engage with us yeah. I
1: mean I um... I, I, I gave a presentation at um, Martech Fest in Utrecht last week. And you know I bang on about this business of art, awareness, revenue, and trust. And I believe that's what marketing needs to do. I came up with a counterpoint to that, which was war. So create art, not war. And war is wasteful acts of randomness. <laughs> and I thought that was quite good. Yeah, <laughs> this is exactly right. what you're saying, is we're spending too much time on wasteful acts of randomness and not focusing on our strategy, which I think is excellent. All right, mate. Well, that's where right. are people going to find content that is not wasteful for of randomness? What do you think?
2: <laughs> well, they'll find it on our website, which is contentadvisory.net. dot net, and uh, yeah, and then and of course that's where we're we're putting most of our thinking these days. Shiny new uh, sort of more white space available, kind of yes. uh, new new version of our website yes, that's it up splendid.
1: and running, and um, of course your book content marketing strategy is out as well. And I managed to get it really fast uh, because I pre-ordered it.
2: It is in the, yeah. it is in the UK. It is, it is <laughs> yeah. out and available in the UK. It will be, it will be in the U S it will be available on oh, the 26th so, of uh, So of of during September. content
1: marketing world, which I should also mention that you're going to be speaking content marketing world in a couple of weeks too.
2: That is correct. Yes, that is correct. All right,
1: mate, well, aside from your book and your wonderful pop and your wonderful Oh, well, I can mention your podcast as well with with, with uh, Joe Polizzi and uh, your wonderful website. Um, when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you, my friend?
2: Well, they'll find me uh, on LinkedIn primarily these days. I'm kind of taking, you know, yes. I'm just, Twitter is day by day, I guess, or X or whatever the hell it is these days, but... Um, yeah, LinkedIn is where I'm spending all of my time on yes. social media.
1: And Threads has gone a bit quiet too. We had a bit of fun on Threads and that seems to have gone a bit quiet last couple of weeks. Yeah,
2: know, I'm but, sort uh, of sitting by and seeing what Threads does. Yeah, That's, I've, I've, I have not, I've been uninspired yeah, by Threads.
1: I'm getting the impression most people are doing the same. <laughs>
2: yeah. But all right, mate. Indeed.
1: And most important for me, will you be in the bar next week?
2: I will indeed. I look forward to seeing yes. you again,
1: mate. I'll see you <laughs> Cheers. Thank you, Robert. Something to think about there. Like so many words we've put in front of the word marketing, like digital marketing, it seems content marketing is now just marketing. So that's a wrap on episode 183 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks to Jeff and Robert for sharing their insight and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. You can find all of our links and the things we discussed in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com along with our blog, newsletter and all of our previous episodes. And please let us know what you think via the socials. Drop us a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week I'll have a guest although he said he'd be back Jeff is actually going to be away but Robert will be in the bar as usual and I hope you'll also be there And join us again here next week on Rockstar CMO FM.
2: This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.